What happens when you take a redneck fishing guide and pair him up with a master beekeeper? Well, we're about to find out. Join our host, Ken Milam and John Swan, as they help you brave the sting of beekeeping to reap the sweet rewards. This is The Hive Jive. I said, I said, I said, I think we're ready. I think we're ready. <laughs> I, think, I think we're ready. I think we're ready. <laughs> I think I'm ready to go back to bed. It's kind of early. But I've been up since 109. Yeah. Well, you made fun of me when I showed up because as soon as you saw me, you were like, you're not dressed right. But you were talking about how dang cold it is in here. It's cold in here. They, they, I don't know. I figure they're keeping meat or something back there in some of these other rooms. <laughs> well, they got to be having whole beef hanging or something. <laughs> Damn, it's cold in here. The, uh, <laughs> The outfit, the the t-shirt, shorts, the only thing I'm missing is the boots. Because as soon as I leave here, tennis shoes come off, boots go on, then I really look good. Oh, you're going to go play B. Yep, I have you to go. You play beekeeper. Leave the studio and go straight into a hive, and then uh, it'll be that way the majority of the day today. So no breaks, unfortunately. Um <laughs> Let's uh so just a quick little recap here from last week mm-hmm. and uh on the last episode mm-hmm. we found out what Ken wants. <laughs> what Ken wants. What Ken wants. Ken wants to pimp me out to go do hive inspections for people so that he can turn around and steal your honey. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that sounds good to me. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, you know, I, I tried to tell you, I didn't quite think people were going to go for that. No, and, are they complaining? And, uh, well, there was a couple people online. Yeah, I sent you that one, uh, that <laughs> y'all message. Can, y'all come see us, but can you get my damn honey? Yeah, yeah. The, the gentleman that had sent in the listener question and the, the story about losing one of his hives from uh, the San Antonio area. Right. Yeah, he, he he put a comment on there, and he was like, no, Ken, you can't have my damn honey. Yeah, he, and, and no. <laughs> I don't have queen excluders on mine. <laughs> okay. But, so that that's what Ken wants. Ken wants to, uh, he's going to trick you guys by, you know, luring you in with the fact that he's going to drag me out somewhere and, and do a hive inspection with you. But uh, when you're not looking, he's going to steal all your honey and run. Or, or <laughs> if you have a 20 plus frame uh, extractor and cheat, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's, here's what I want. Okay, what do you want? So... We get nearly, well, we get well over a thousand listens a week, right? Which means there's a thousand individuals out there minimum that are listening to the podcast. That works. All right. So I want a thousand followers on Instagram for the Hive Jive. You guys hear us talk about it every episode. We tell you guys, you know, hey, you can check this out on the Hive Jive, or you can go and send us questions and comments and fun things like that. And we've got, you know, there's 398 people out there that are doing that, and that's awesome. Okay. Where the hell are the rest of them thousand plus people at? <laughs> so maybe they don't know Instagram. Well, maybe they don't. Maybe they should. It's maybe not that they hard. need to learn how. But you know what? You don't even have to post anything for yourself. You can just make an account and then go follow ours, and I'll be happy, and the world will be a better place. Yeah. Um, so maybe you just need to start wearing a tank top. <laughs> <laughs> I quit. Oh. I go get it started. Uh, she was in the news again. Um, she had like a six-page spread on local news again. So the uh, so here here's my thing. This is this is my catch. This is, instead of trying to lure you in with a a tank top and uh, a uh, an expression of longing thought while I look at bees, um, I say okay. If we can get a thousand and, and, and <laughs> if we can get a thousand followers on Instagram, mm-hmm. 
which it's at the Hive Jive mm-hmm. on Instagram, and it's got our logo. It says the Hive Jive. Welcome, letters. Got honey. some comb in there. No, no, no. Even better. Oh. If we can get a thousand, we'll do a contest out of it. If we can get a thousand likes on it, or not likes, but follows on Instagram, I'm going to give them your honey. <laughs> My honey. Damn. Well, you're always bragging your honey's so good, and it's My better than everybody else's. Good. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 it's prettiest honey out it's there. It's better than everybody else's. It it's is. pretty. So that's what we're going to do. If we can get a thousand people to get on Instagram and follow the Hive Jive, I'm going to give them Ken's honey. <laughs> no, nope, we ain't going to give them my honey. We're giving them your honey, Ken. Nope. Yep. You know what we're going to give them? <laughs> your honey. No. <laughs> I'm going to build a 30-bar top bar to give away. You can't mail a 30-bar top bar to New Zealand. <laughs> but I can sure as hell mail your honey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can mail a 30-bar top bar. We burned the damn thing, sent them the ashes. <laughs> this was a 30-bar top bar. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry you didn't read the fine print. <laughs> we'll quit. <laughs> So there you go. That's yeah. that's the deal. Now, honestly, Ken, I I, I don't we'll think a they're little gonna a little bit of my honey. I, I don't think they're gonna be able to necessarily get there. But that's the challenge. I know how many people listen every week, and I know the the possibility of it out there. Um, so I'm just saying, you know, come on, guys, show us a little love. It's it's about time. We uh, we've been doing this for a little while. There's plenty of episodes out there. You guys have learned a lot. All we're asking is that you go click one little button that says follow. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's. We do have a lot of fun doing this, and we need more, you know, from y'all. And uh, because uh, me and John, we sit there, what are we talking about today? I don't know, but, uh, and then we just take off, and here we go. Yeah, and here we go. Today, we actually do have show notes, though. Yeah, we do. Yeah, uh, well, some, somewhat. I had to I had to type some things up so that when I went through and tried to recount or read it, I would not uh, sound like a complete We're fool. We're going to talk to <laughs> Leslie in Florida. We are. We are also yeah. going to talk to someone else. Uh, well, not talk to, but talk about. Yeah. We're going to talk about Mr. Benjamin in Virginia. We're going to talk about Miss Leslie in Florida. But first, we're going to talk about the heat wave. Heat wave. It's supposed to be 102 la, 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 la. here tomorrow, 103. 102, 103, yeah. Now, is that with or without the heat index? No, it's 110 with the heat index. Yeah. So for everybody in the northern part of the United States, for those of you listening here in the U.S., um, <laughs> welcome to Texas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you guys, and I know for everybody up there where your average temperature like 80 is like scorching and you don't know what to do, and all of a sudden this heat wave rolled through the entire United States. It kind of went from one side to the other, and you know, on on Friday, New York was expecting temperatures of like 98 degrees with the heat index over 100. Um, things like that are are not fun for you guys, but uh, yeah, welcome to Texas because every year, like clockwork, we have a minimum of 30 to 40 days of 100 degree temperatures or 100 plus temperatures. In a row, nonstop. And that's not the heat index. That's the actual temperature. Heat index, as Ken said, 110, 115. <laughs> it can suck. <laughs> well, what you're going to have to do is just buy stock in an air conditioning manufacturing company. Because it may be getting hot up there. <laughs> it might. You never know. Things are changing. But mm-hmm. we did have a couple of people, actually, though, that um, just prior to the heat wave hitting asked... Yeah. How you like? What is this going to do to the bees? How does it affect the bees? Are the bees okay? Is there anything that we can do to help the bees when it gets hot? And in all reality, the honeybees themselves—they actually do a great job of 
they they create their own air conditioner. They own their own air conditioner manufacturing company. Yeah, they all <laughs> they're outside the hive. I told yesterday. I walked. I drove over and checked them out. Yeah, so, so they, they were all up. Everybody was outside. The the first thing there that's called bearding, <laughs> and bearding is not an indication of swarming. Bearding is an indication of it's hot. hot. And, and they were all each individual little bee actually generates heat, regardless if it's trying to or not. It generates heat. So what happens is they actually kind of kick anywhere from half to three quarters of the population out of the colony. Mm -hmm. They go and they hang out out front where they can kind of air out and cool off. And it, it reduces the congestion, which then reduces the heat inside the hive. Then your foragers go out. There's not a lot of nectar out there in the middle of the summer dearth. So they go out and they start gathering water and they bring that water back in and they disperse it in little droplets around the hive. They strategically place individual workers throughout there, and they all start fanning their wings on those droplets of water. And what it does is they create a convection where they're pulling the fresh air in through the main entrance. They circulate it up through, and then if they have an upper entrance, they will push the hot air and the moisture back out of the hive. So they create this little convection, basically, where they're going through, pulling it in, pushing it out, and they actually cool the hive down. But to do that, they have to relieve some of the congestion. So they will put bees out front. Some colonies will beard almost all year round just because that's just part of their genetics. That's how they do. Mm -hmm. Other bees won't. They'll only do it when it's really, really, really hot outside like it is right now. So seeing your bees in the middle of summer when it's 90-plus degrees, bearding in the front of the colony, that's not a warning sign of anything. That's their natural progression of going through and doing stuff. Now, you do have people that'll have like, oh, we've got a screened bottom. Well, if you wanted to, you could open that all the way up. But if you open it all the way up, they cannot create a, a convection. They cannot create right. a current because they can't control it. So what I'll tell people a lot of times is you can have your screen bottom. And if you've got one of the removal boards where you can slide it in and out, Slide it back just an inch or two. So you've created an opening, but it's still something that is, is manageable for them where they can still create a current mm -hmm. through there. If you have an opening, like a top opening on your Langstroth, mm -hmm. that's good. If you don't, you can put just a little stick or a shim or something in there to raise that top just a tiny bit, the lid itself, and that'll give a place for the hot air to escape so they can actually create that, that convection through there. Now, are you talking about, you're saying lid, are you talking about the inner cover or the lid or the top? You can do either way. You can actually put it just underneath the edge of the inner cover and mm -hmm. open that up, and they'll guard it because they'll be right there. Mm -hmm. Or you can do it on the lid itself where you put the lid up just a little bit because the inner cover has the hole in the top, right. and that acts like an attic. Well, that then gives an escape for air to come out through there as well. So just take a little twig or something yeah. and slide underneath the, the top, Yeah, your telescoping top. Just give it a little crack. Just a tiny little crack, and that, that does really good for them. I have actually even seen people where they'll offset the boxes just a smidge mm -hmm. to where it actually leaves a tiny little crack in the back. The only downside with that, though, is depending on your rain, you could end up getting water inside the hive. So yeah, I, I don't see that. I don't necessarily uh -huh. advocate that aspect. No. But um, some people had asked in about, like, okay, we've got a top bar, and we have follower boards, and we're using the follower boards. What do we do? Like, should we take that out for heat? I would say yes, because if I'd you take it out and leave it out. Well, right. That was that was also part of my uh -huh. answer. <laughs> but all that aside, the follower board itself, you only really need to use it in the very beginning when you first put them in there until they start growing. Mm -hmm. Once they start growing, take it out so that they've got all the access to that space. And especially if it's hot, if you open that cavity up, there's more room for the air to actually kind of dis distribute and, and helps them keep themselves a little bit cooler um 
in the winter time, then you can use the follower board for just the opposite. As it starts getting colder, you want to keep that heat trapped up there by the brood. Then you can put that follower board back in, and that'll help regulate their temperature easier in that area. So there's lots of different things, but ultimately the hives themselves, they do just fine. They can they can manage the heat. Um, bees live in trees and caves. Excuse me, trees and caves. A lot of times they do live actually in the shade. So all the stuff that you read about you know, oh, your beehive must be in full sun at all times. Well, that was written by a commercial beekeeper who wants to maximize honey production. So they want that hive to warm up as soon as it can. They want the bees to leave as early as possible and work as long as possible during that day to make them more honey. They don't necessarily have to have that. If you're in a state, though, where you do have hive beetles, if the hive is constantly in the shade and it happens to be like any type of damp or moist area, mm -hmm. you're going to have more hive beetles in your colony than you would if the hive is directly out in the sun because the hive beetles love the moisture. They mm -hmm. like that humid action. So I, I kind of like like a 50-50 if you can, especially if you have a top bar. No matter what, if you've got a top bar, that thing needs to be in the shade from the middle part of the day on. Because otherwise, if it gets too hot, those bars and the comb on the bar can start to separate and your comb can break and fall if it gets too hot in there. In a frame for like a Langstroth, you've got that frame and you've got that solid foundation that holds everything rigid. So the comb itself isn't going to fall off the frame because it's stuck to this center core foundation. Right. So those, they can deal with it a little bit better, but it still does help the bees out if you can provide shade from somewhere around, say, 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock. Hot if, time. If they can get shade at that point in time for the rest of the evening, mm -hmm. that's great. When we go through and we tell people you know how to set up your apiary and where to put your hives and stuff, if you can, put them somewhere where they're going to have a westerly block, be it a tree line or something or a building, so that as the I sun progresses, yep. about midday, they start getting shade from that. And then through the rest of the afternoon where, where it's really hot, they actually have the shade. Yep, I can see that. So there you go. That's how you deal with heat wave. Heat there you wave. go. Yeah. So. I'll put air conditioner in them. <laughs> You know they have things like that. They that really do. But if you if you start like if you start cooling the hive, well then you can cause other problems too because the brood has to stay in that ninety five degree range, mm -hmm. like ninety three to ninety seven. And if you're blowing cold air in there, well that's just going to really screw things up. So don't don't get so, too creative. So what you're what you're saying is just just let the evaporative evaporative cooler bees do their work. There you go, folks. A new classification yep. of bees. Evaporative, Evaporative cooler, cooler bees. bees. Got guard bees. <laughs> we got gathering bees. We got the queen bee. Now we got the evaporative cooling bees. You know, I've, I've been thinking for a long time on... Uh, We've, we've got some things in the work, just fun little promo type things where we're going to have um, like some Hive Jive stickers and little things like that that we can start sending out to people just for kicks and giggles. We're going to get some Bahama Mama queen well I, I was gonna say like we we need to come up with i haven't ever decided what type of t-shirt we could do like would be a fun t-shirt but we could come up with a whole line of like our own individual classifications for the the job classes of uh the red-headed mutt yeah. <laughs> bees the, the evaporative cooler <laughs> evaporative cooler bees <laughs> this is your ac specialist b um let's, let's see the next little thing on here Recap of feeding during the summer to earth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They told me. Okay, so. Yeah, you got to come <laughs> check my bees. Yes, I'm going to come out to your place next weekend. So My I place? Will, yep. You ain't going to steal my honey. 
Oh yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get maybe we get to take a bar. Or two. Here, there you go, folks. If you if you can get those thousand listen or thousand <laughs> likes in there by next weekend, I'll be out there. I can steal it and yeah. I can run faster uh, than he can. <laughs> probably, I'm thinking out right about my son. Uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> I might be able to. But uh, can't outrun your shotgun though. No, not my shotgun. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's a different podcast. I know. We'll quit. <laughs> okay, so we uh, just so it's the summer dearth, and a mm-hmm. lot of this stuff is going to be repetitive because it it deals with everything all the way across the board. And summer dearth itself, obviously, there's no food out there. So there's been a lot of questions coming in. Uh, I've had the our volunteers that go through and monitor the social media and stuff. They they have sent me a plethora of hey, people are asking about this and about this and about this. And I'm super busy. And I was like, I'm pretty sure we just talked about that. Um, go did. back. <laughs> I made them. <laughs> I, I was like, hey, if you're not listening, you're going to have to start now because you need to go back and figure out which episode that was and where it was at and give them that information. <laughs> mm-hmm. But what uh, what it basically boils down to here, if we did a quick little recap on it, you've got to learn how to read your combs. And when I say read your combs, that means every time you do an inspection, you need to be taking notes and paying attention. So if you are looking at a top bar or a Langstroth, doesn't matter which one, interchange the word bar with the word frame, Right. you're going to look at from left to right, like you're reading a book, bar right. one, bar two, bar three, frame one, frame two, frame three, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So as you go through it, you're taking notes. And when you get out there where the honey store should be, there's there's really two things you're looking at. You're in the brood nest. Are there eggs? Are there young larvae? Or have they backfilled all the brood with open liquid? So if it's open liquid, we call those wet cells. If it's completely bone dry, that is a dry cell. Mm-hmm. So as you move past the brood nest and you get to where their pantry is and their food stores, be Mm -hmm. that your second box or further out in your hive on Mm -hmm. your top bar, look at the comb. Mm -hmm. And if you're doing an inspection today and you pull out that frame and you look at it and frame, we'll say uh, frame and bar number five Mm -hmm. are empty dry comb. There's Mm -hmm. nothing in it. No brood, no food, no nothing. They ate everything. It's gone. Or they just haven't used it, but it's empty. And then bar or frame number six has some open wet cells. Bar frame number seven is completely full of open wet cells. And then bars and frames eight, nine, and ten are solid capped food. Mm -hmm. That's your benchmark. You write that down in your book or you make a mental note of this is how it was. Now, in seven to 14 days, preferably no longer than 14 days, come back out and check again. In the summer to earth, it may not hurt to check every seven days to see where they're at food-wise. You're going to look again and you're going to say, okay, last time bar number five was completely empty. If today bar number five is now has open wet liquid in it and it did not have that last week, Mm -hmm. your bees are still bringing in something from somewhere. They're still bringing in some sort of uh, nectar. So that's good, right? However, if you look at it and five is still empty and now six is completely empty and seven is only partially full, they're eating what they're bringing in or they're not bringing anything in and they're burning through that. Mm -hmm. That's how you know when do I need to feed my bees? It's nothing based on the calendar. It's nothing based on what your weatherman says. It's what is happening inside your hive. So you have to open your hive. You have to do your hive inspections, and you have to know what those mean, what the bees are telling you, especially if they start getting into the capped food stores and you see that they're now uncapping the food and eating it. You absolutely need to start feeding them. So that's how you know when. Now, the next part of that is what? Feeding your bees in the summer dearth is the same thing as feeding your bees in the spring. 
you're going to feed them the same thing. You're going to do a one-to-one ratio of one part water to one part sugar. It actually, to stimulate growth and stimulate comb building, you actually want it to be a little bit more water than it is sugar. Mm -hmm. And that'll actually kind of, so you you really want like 125% of this and then 75% of that kind of thing. And that actually stimulates the liquid from the nectar. It's a little bit wetter. It'll go through and have them build out comb and continue to raise brood if you can catch them while they're still in that cycle. But you need to start feeding them. Feed them the one-to-one. If you've got additives out there, there's all kinds of of things that you can put in that are pre-made or if you've found your own recipes. We talked about that in the Feeding Your Bees episode, Mm -hmm. which I believe was episode number 11. Go back, check that out. And if you have things like that, go ahead and put that in there so they can still get the nutrients and everything, the vitamins and minerals and stuff that they would from the nectar. Put that in there. The next thing is pollen. If you want them to keep growing, they have to have incoming pollen because if they don't, that's the protein source they use to raise the brood. So I recommend if you're in anywhere, my favorite thing is the dry pollen substitute. Because you feed it as a dry pollen, do not feed it that way inside your hive. Don't sprinkle it over the frames. Don't make a mess for them to clean up. Don't add other food for pests to eat. Put it out somewhere away from your hives and put it in an open feeder that kind of has a wind block around it. You can build your own stuff out of PVC pipes. You can actually just, you can you can use like a chicken feeder. Mm-hmm. You can put it in something like that. Or you can just stick it, like I've even used a Frisbee before, just turned a Frisbee upside down, mm-hmm. filled it up with some of the dry powder, put some limbs and twigs in there so they have something to crawl on, and then stuck an empty hive box around it with the lid off. That provides a windbreak. The bees find it, they fly in there, they roll in the flower and the pollen, fake pollen powder (laughs) flower (laughs) right they roll in that they get it all over them they take it back to their hive just like they would regular pollen and they store it themselves now if you happen to be somewhere where you do not have hive beetles you can use the pollen patties i don't like the pollen patties because we have hive beetles if you put a pollen patty in a hive and the hive is not strong and or does not want it Hive beetles fine. They won't eat it, and hive beetles will, and you'll have thousands of hive beetles in there. Okay, because you you done pumped them up. Yeah, you gave them a a buffet. So I recommend the dry pollen powder to put out as opposed to putting a wet pollen patty inside your hive. Say that three times real quick. I almost, I couldn't say it the first time. Wet pollen patty. (laughs) Wet pollen patty. Wet Wet pollen patty. Dry pollen powder. Wet pollen patty. So that that is your recap of your feeding during the summer dearth. Okay. Um, again, I believe, so our first episode was episode number 11 that talked about spring feeding, or it was feeding in the spring edition. Mm-hmm. There will be a Feeding Your Bees fall edition that will be coming up here in a few more weeks as we get a little bit closer to fall, because then you're truly going to change what you feed and how you feed. But right now, it's the same as the spring, so... Go back, check out uh, podcast episode number 11, Spring Feeding, and then you can check out episode 16, which is the beginning episode for the Summer Dearth, which we're still talking about because it goes on for almost two months, so that's kind of why it keeps coming back up. But check out those two episodes, and you can you can get more information on there about feeding your bees, how to watch the comb, what to look for, and what to feed. We've got a, and they may have it everywhere, we've got a weed in, that grows in the lake, that has these little white trumpets, and I don't know, are they water daisies or something like that? Was that the picture you sent that had the bumblebees? No, that no. was something else. Uh, Max called that a thick leaf <laughs> or chickweed. It's know. not chickweed. I know what that is. Thick, thick, thick weed. <laughs> thick weed. Thicket. It's a but thicket. But did you notice how it had the little trumpet? Yeah. 
uh, I don't know what that is, but the only the ones mess with it are the bumblebees. Yeah, and that happens a lot with some <clears> of the <throat> the flowers that are more trumpet shaped. Mm-hmm. The honeybee's tongue is not long enough to get down in there, but hummingbirds, bumblebees, and some of your butterflies can. Their tongue is long mm-hmm. enough to get in there. So that still helps pollinators. It just may not be helping your honeybees specifically. Right. Now we've got one. It grows in the edge of the water. It's a white daisy, and it's supposed to be Max showed it to me on where he found it on uh, the a some, some type of like it's water a, lily a, type thing? It's a water lily, cool. and it's a hell of a nectar producer. In, cool. in Texas, uh, A&M said it's great for bees. We'll see. We got lots of it. It's what happens when you live on the edge of a lake, yep. Ken. Yep. Some and of it, us don't have gro- that luxury. It's growing all the time. <laughs> I mean, it's blooming all the time when it's hot. So anyway, yeah. You want to uh, jump over here to our two, we're going to feature two little listener things. Do you want to do, do a couple of listener things? You want to do Virginia or Florida? <sighs> Pick which one to go first. I'll go through and read it for you. Let's talk about Leslie in Florida. Leslie in Florida. Okay, so Leslie in Florida writes in and she says, Hi there. I love the show and I have learned a lot. I got my nuke in April and my bee colony is progressing really well and it has grown a lot. I took a couple of frames, about 16 pounds of beautiful honey this year. Damn. There are currently two brood boxes and a honey super. Lots of bees. The queen is laying lots, but it seems a little crowded. I have only found open queen cells at this point, but I was thinking about splitting. I'm having trouble spotting fresh eggs, though, not because she isn't laying, but because there's plenty of brood and larvae, but I just can't see the tiny eggs so well. I want to make sure that I do it correctly and take the correct frames also. So, should I wait for capped queen cells to be present? If I do split it, do I take the queen to the new hive or vice versa? How far of a distance from the mother colony do I place them, as I do not have a lot of space? How big a hive for the new nuke? Should it be 10 frames or smaller? I do an inspection every two weeks. Great job. When I open my hive last inspection, I freaked out because it's turning into such a monster. There's so many bees. Any advice is welcome. Thanks a lot. There's a lot in there. <laughs> There's a lot to tackle. They got in them there. in April, and she's already took that much. <laughs> yeah, well, she lives in Florida different and so you've got yeah you've got a different setup you've got somewhere where you know florida doesn't necessarily we don't even hardly have a true winter florida really doesn't have a true winter not at all um they're going to be more tropical than we are we're uh subtropic i think or something like that Mm -hmm. um so they're they're going to have a little bit of a different scenario but so obviously right off the bat i always start off with questions myself so the first thing is that's awesome that they've managed to fill out two deep brood boxes plus one honey super so that's awesome uh if they've got that much taken two frames or 16 pounds of honey that's not a that's not a horrible thing at all um they obviously have a lot of stuff in there there's there's plenty of comb drawn out they should have plenty of resources now if not as we just talked about start feeding them but Hand over fist, every time, one super huge colony will outproduce three to five smaller colonies hand over fist every day. It all has to do with the ratio of workers to the ratio of how many workers are needed inside the colony versus foragers outside. You have a fixed number of bees that need to be inside doing all your work. Anything above that threshold is foragers that can go bring you in food sources. So if you split your colony, now you're going to have two colonies in a small space, right? That mm-hmm. may not necessarily be the best option if you want to still enjoy your backyard, be able to mow, be able to trim, and not have 
a lot of bees out there because each colony, it so contrary to what you hear on the news and what you see, especially down here, you'll have beekeepers that will, well, not even beekeepers, um, news media that make a bunch of crap up. And then you'll have removal specialists that like to sensationalize things. But you'll see on the news, 150,000 bees, 500,000 bees mm -hmm. found inside this structure. No, absolutely not. It does not matter the size of the structure. A bee colony at the absolute maximum that they have found in existence is about 90,000 workers at the peak of season. That's it. Most average colonies in a single deep with a medium on it is about 30 to 50,000. With two deeps on there, you're going to be pushing 60,000. That's it. But if you double that hive, now you've got two colonies, and when they reach peak production, now you can truly have 120,000 bees. That's a lot of bees in a small space. Oh, hell yeah. So my first thing then would be, do you really need to split? If you don't, then, like, if you're okay with your one colony, keep in mind that it is going to, even though you don't truly have a winter, you're not going to have a complete winter dearth, they are going to slowly decrease in size. And then in the spring, they're going to slowly ramp back up. Or, well, actually, they kind of quickly jump up in population size. Right. So I, that, that would be my main thing. I wouldn't necessarily split it. Now, when she says that she's seeing open queen cells, those are actual, we call those queen cups. That's just the cup that they draw on the peripheral of the frame. Sometimes they will put one up, like, coming out of the center, and it's just there. It's just a cup. Those are always present. They make them almost like, almost like practice, and those are eventual swarm cells. But they just because they exist does not mean they're actually going to go through and use it. If they start, if they decide that they've reached a point where they want to mm -hmm. divide and split, and you're truly going and you're doing your checks every two weeks, if you see that they have started laying eggs, the queen has laid eggs in those queen cells, mm -hmm. and they've started drawing them out, and you see tiny little eggs and tiny little like pools of royal jelly in the specific queen cells, mm -hmm. then I would say go ahead and do your split. Because at that point, they're going to swarm anyway. If you want to keep them and make an extra colony, do it. But if they don't feel like they've reached the point where they want to split, I would say based on your circumstance and your situation, don't necessarily split it. Um, you're you're worried about your one big hive, and it seems monstrous. Right. Well, if you've got two of them that end up being monstrous, you're going to be overwhelmed. So, and again, one big strong colony can fight off more diseases. It can fight off more pests. It can make you way more honey. So, don't split it unless your goal is to have multiple hives. But if your goal is to have a big strong beautiful colony and make yourself a lot of honey, don't split it. Leave it leave it as one. So. Are the bees they they let they build the queen cups just to keep the uh, the mama bee in shape? Okay, see there, you give <laughs> us a little hell, we can replace you now. Is that why they do that? Well, it's just like they they have them in preparation, but it's just it's, they're just there. It's just part that's of the what they're telling them. Yeah. We got them in preparation. You give us any hell, you don't get to produce enough babies out here. We can replace you. We can make you go over there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Now where are we going to? Well, so that, that tackles kind of the first part of the question. It so the, the second half there, if you do decide to make a split, uh, mm -hmm. we have an episode, and I, I honestly, I didn't come prepared from pre-reading this to see so I could look it up for you, but there is an episode back earlier on where we talk about doing splits, making splits, and, and how you should truly go through and do that. And what I would suggest is go in there and try to figure out you need, you only want to really do about five, if you're doing Langstroth, five frames 
to truly make the split. You don't want to literally divide your colony entirely in half, mm -hmm. but at the same time, if you do a split, we're already in mid-July. They're not going to have as much time to really grow and do everything you want. They've hit the peak of that for the year. Now things are going to be tapering back down. So doing a split late in the year means you're going to have to baby that split a lot more. Yeah. But yeah, you, you're going to want to find... Uh, one frame of mixed brood where it's eggs, tiny larvae, and some capped brood. And then two frames of solid capped brood. So now you're up to three frames that are all basically some sort of life stages, preferably all capped because those are going to emerge out and immediately be a new workforce in there. Mm -hmm. You're going to put in the last two frames are going to be frames of food. And you want one of them to be pollen and one of them to be honey. If you don't have that, a mixture of pollen and open nectar or, you know, open and cap, uh, open nectar capped honey, that's, those last two frames need to be food sources. Put those into the nuke. The nuke, or the old queen, if they're truly wanting to swarm, the old queen's going to leave. So go ahead and put the old queen, the original queen, into the nuke. Put her into that split. Okay. And then from there, take two more frames that are covered in nurse bees and shake those into the nuke as well so you can help balance the population out a little bit. And then go back through your colony, find the two largest queen cells, and keep those and remove all of the other ones. You don't need all 15 or 20 that they're going to try to make. Mm -hmm. You just need two. And keep the two largest ones because those could end up being the best, most fertile queens because mm -hmm. they're bigger and they're more fully developed. So that's kind of how you would go through and do that. Now, as far as what to put them in... If all the rest of your stuff is 10 frame, then use a 10 frame. That's fine. You're going to do a 10 frame deep. You're immediately going to start feeding that split because they have five more frames that they need to draw out, and you're going to want to keep them going. If for some reason it starts trailing into winter and they still haven't drawn out more than those five frames, take them out of the deep and put them into a nuke box that is made just to hold five frames. That'll help keep them more contained, to help keep the heat in there, and then they can. You can definitely overwinter a nuke. That's not a problem. You just have to do a lot more babying to it, really. But that's kind of, that's it. That's, um, that I think that tackles all the, the different aspects of that. So hopefully that helps, Leslie. Um, and we definitely appreciate you listening to the show. We, we enjoy all the help. Go follow us on Instagram. Yep. Um, the more people that follow us on Instagram, the more chance we have of me stealing Ken's honey. <laughs> yeah. We'll see about that. Okay, so <laughs> our second one is Benjamin in Virginia. And Benjamin, he actually sent this in back on July 7th, so this one's kind of a backlog one to get in there. But he says, here in Virginia, they have been attempting to grow the beekeeping population and thus increase the number of bees in the state. Virginia has set up a program for the last number of years, giving residents up to three hives free of charge. Now, when he says hives, he literally means hive boxes. The hive is the container. The colony is the right. bees. So they've been giving out, kind of like uh, Austin did a thing here on chicken coops, because they were trying to encourage you know, more sustainability in your backyard, and they, they had this whole program for chicken coops and stuff. Well, it's similar to that. They're giving out free hives, and they'll give up to three of them per individual, and the, the stipulation to that is that the major requirement is that the colony, the bees themselves, mm -hmm. must be placed into each of these hives within one year of receiving them. So that's your, your deal. We'll give you a free box with the frames and the lid in the, in the bottom, but you must put bees in it and install bees in it within that year. They're now, brood boxes then. 
Yeah, probably. They're they're like yeah. uh, more than likely it's a standard setup from mm-hmm. like what you'd get on Man Lake where it's the yeah. bottom board, bottom board, top, deep, ten and, frames, yeah. intercover, intercover. Yep. So his question then says, I got lost in the little email here. Uh, I submitted a request for a single Langstroth hive with medium boxes to try my first hand at beekeeping. Since then, I've been reading everything that I can concerning bees and proper beekeeping methods. I also ran across your guys' podcast and have been listening to it nonstop. Awesome. Thank you. Follow us on Instagram. Um, Okay. So I recently came across something, and I found it very interesting, and it was concerning foundationless frames in a Langstroth. Is this a kind of hybrid between a top bar and a Langstroth? I've read that this method is not recommended for beginners, and I know that I have a long way to go before trying this. Or do you? Uh, <laughs> this would save on, or would this save on honey extraction due to being able to cut the comb? What are the pros and cons of this method, and what would you recommend concerning this? Thank you for the wisdom and the knowledge that you all impart, Ben. Well, I've seen some videos on this on YouTube where they use where they just cut the comb out of the frame. What do you think you're going to do on your top bar? I'm going to cut the comb off of the top bar. So basically, it's the same thing, only they just build into the uh, the frame. Yeah. So there are lots. Of, so, okay, your, your first thing when starting beekeeping is what style of hive do I want to have? Mm-hmm. After that, there's lots of modifications you can do. So if you have a Langstroth, you can do a solid plastic frame. As we talked about in the last right. episode, we had the yeah. listener that had gotten the frames. You can do a solid plastic frame. Do you, you want to do, do a white frame? Do you want to do white foundation, well, black that, foundation, that's or the, yellow foundation? That's the next part. Yeah. If you don't want to do the solid plastic <laughs> frame, you can do a wooden frame with a plastic core foundation. And as mm-hmm. you said, they come in white, they come in yellow, they come in black. And they there's different brands that have like some have deeper recesses, some have shallower, mm-hmm. some have sharper edges. And all of that is to supposedly encourage the bees to build better. If you don't want to use plastic at all, you can do a wood foundation with actual, or sorry, a wood frame with actual wax foundation. Mm -hmm. Or if you want to be as natural as possible, you can do a wooden frame with nothing in it and let the bees draw the wax themselves, just like they would in the top bar. Mm -hmm. So there is a similarity there where it is like a top bar in the fact of one aspect. The bees get to decide what shape and size of cell that they need, and they build it. So when we have any type of foundation, all of that foundation is stamped with small worker cell size shapes because commercial beekeepers only want girl bees because girl bees do all the work. They don't want drones eating all their profit and not doing anything. So if you allow the bees to build their own foundation, their their own wax, you're actually going to end up with cells that are of varying sizes and they're in varying spots throughout the colony because the bees know what the bees need. Right. So it's more natural. I absolutely would advocate, if you are brave enough to do so, to do foundationless. But it excludes you 100% from being able to use an extractor. There's there's a couple of things you can do. It's going to be just like top bar then. Kind of, yeah. You can take a frame and you can run wire through the frame. Mm-hmm. And then when they build the wax naturally, mm-hmm. that wire will end up being embedded in the center of the comb. That does make it's the comb rebar. a little bit more rigid. Yeah. And you can then put it into an extractor, but you're still running like a 25 to 30% chance you don't run it slow. that it could blow out. Yeah. And what that means is as you're spinning it, the wax actually rips apart from the frame and then it turns into like a bowling ball in a wash machine and your extractor tries to walk out of the room. Um, 
sometimes with you on it, trying to hold it down. And I it's can like, see that. And it, it yeah. leaves. <laughs> so uh, that is the downside. Now, if you're doing true foundationless with no wire, the beauty of it is when they draw out a brand new frame and it's beautiful white wax and they fill it with honey and they cap it and they've never laid eggs in it, now you have cut comb honey. And you can cut that straight out of there into squares or little strips. You can put it in jars, fill the jar with honey around it, and you've got a premium product that can be sold for a lot more than just a jar of honey. Which, to non-beekeepers out there, don't tell them this. This is a secret between all of us. If you put a chunk of comb in a jar and you fill the rest of the jar with honey, you're actually going to get less honey than if you bought a jar of just honey. <laughs> but yet, they will pay 5 to $10 more for that chunk of comb in that jar because it seems it more natural. Good. It looks, it's a very beautiful display yeah. and it reminds them of their childhood. So many times we get stories of people saying, hey, my grandfather used to keep bees and we'd have the comb and it reminds them of their youth and of home and their family. So absolutely, it's a, great, it's a great thing to have, but it does exclude you from a couple things. The other downside to it is going to be when you extract, if you're cutting that out, they are losing that wax, which means they're next year. Mm -hmm. You now have, say, you harvested ten frames. That's ten empty frames again that they have to draw out next year. It's healthier for the colony because the colony is constantly cycling through wax, which keeps it fresher. Mm -hmm. It keeps a lot of the diseases and pathogens and and pesticides away from the bees because the wax is basically like their liver and their kidneys, and they have to regenerate that. But in doing so. They have to use a lot of resources. It takes about 10 pounds of honey to equal one pound of wax. So your honey production is going to be less because every year they're using more resources to generate new wax. So those are your pros and your cons of how that goes. That last little part in there about how you see things on there that is not recommended for beginners. There, if, if people grew up with Langstroth hives, they're going to tell you, oh, no, 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 don't, don't do a top bar. You'll mess that up. No, you won't. If you have never done something before, whatever you do first is going to be what is most natural to you. So if you start on a top bar hive, that's going to seem perfectly natural to you, and a Langstroth is going to be kind of foreign and have a learning curve. If you start with a Langstroth, a top bar is going to be foreign, and it's going to have a learning curve. One of those learning curves is if you've got a frame with a foundation in it, you can pick that frame up, you can tilt it, you can turn it, you can spin it, you can flip it, you can flop it, you can do whatever you want. The comb doesn't come out because it's attached to a solid centerpiece. But if you switch over to a top bar, you pick up that top bar, and it's you just it the bar. Way and then you yeah. Turn it. yeah. If you try to tilt that top bar, it's that gonna comb is going to rip right yeah. off there, especially this time of year in the heat yeah. with the weight of the nectar and the honey. Mm -hmm. Gone. It's gone. So the same thing can happen in a frame with no foundation. When they're that. first building out that wax and they haven't fully yeah. attached it everywhere, mm -hmm. you can pick it up and you'll be looking at it and you'll have the habit of the old Langstroth beekeeper with the foundation. Turn it flat. And you're going to turn it flat and you'll see the bottom edges of that comb start to lean and you're like, whoop, and you have to correct it, right? And then you have to push it back in there to right. keep it straight. But it's all a learning curve. Oh, yeah. I would say whatever interests you, is what you should do. Don't ever let somebody tell you, oh, no, no, that's too difficult, that's too advanced. Beekeeping is beekeeping. The principles of beekeeping are the same all across the board. The style of hive that you put it in is completely different, but the, the concept of beekeeping is the same. If you can keep bees in this shape of container, you can keep them in that shape of container. There's a tiny little tweak here and there, but go slow, be cognizant, and you can do whatever you want. 
Or you go and look on my, uh, one of the uh, wholesale houses, get the frame where you put the pint jars in there, turn them upside down. The I'm, bees will go up there. I'm doing that next year. Are you doing that I'm going to do that I, next year. I've seen I'm going to try that myself. I'm going to have to make a custom board for it, though, because I want to use a different jar than just the standard jar. Uh-huh. Um, but... That's awesome. That's fun. That's a whole nother thing, and, whole and we don't we thing. don't want to necessarily no, get into that we'll, we'll here. We'll talk about that um, later. But that is fun. That is like where the bees build their own comb honey directly in your jar, in so you don't jar. have to cut it and put it in there. Yeah, we'll 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 talk about that next year. Um, okay. You know, because you know these guys, most of everybody here is that beginner aspect. Next year we will be all grown up. We won't be beginners. We can talk about some more advanced things. And I think next year we'll, we'll also I'll probably ought to talk about some uses, how to use it, make soap and such as that. Yeah, yeah. We we actually we have a guest that we've already got lined up, uh, and she's going. She wrote an entire book on all these activities that can be done from products of the, the hive. The you, lip yeah, balm how to make and, fun and, and, things, how yeah. to make candles, how to make awesome decorative pieces, mm-hmm. all from products of the hive. So that is actually we've got that guest coming up. And she did write a book, and we do, we'll do like we did with Les Crowder, where we will actually we'll give that away as a prize. But right the now, book. the only prize you guys need to focus on is getting Ken's honey, <laughs> which means follow us on Instagram. Yeah, we're not going to take any of it till next year. That's what he thinks. That's what he thinks. I will be out there next weekend. Uh, yeah. I am more than happy to steal Ken's honey yeah, I'm for glad you. glad you're coming out, because we need to check the Langstroth's. I don't think there's... I think they've filled everything. I don't have the bees in there that I normally have. I should have. We'll, we'll look. We'll see. Okay. It's been about a month since I've actually looked at them. So. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. But, yeah, we'll see. We'll, yeah. we'll get in there and take a look at it. It, hasn't been long. it might have been longer than that. Yeah. It's been a while. I don't know. <laughs> we'll, we'll find out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. All right, guys. What else Thanks, we got? Uh, I think that's it. We're, it's just summertime here. You know, man... We're going to go sit on the back porch, drink cold beer, and watch the bees fly around. Well, gee, must be nice. <laughs> I'm going to sit on the back porch and look at the light and watch I'm, the bees fly around. I'm going to go put on my oh. boots, and then I'm going to put on a 10-pound suit in this 100-plus degree weather with the humidity, and I'm going to be out there all day long working bees. You know what? Right <laughs> now, the uh, Martins are getting ready to go back south. Bye. Yeah, they are. <laughs> we got hundreds of them, by the way, and they have... So fun to watch. But anyway, that's part of it. You know they eat bees, right? I'm sure they do. They eat anything <laughs> they can catch. Bee better be a little faster. Yeah. Fly, bee, fly. <laughs> right now they're eating the hell out of dragonflies. And dragonflies eat bees too, actually. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, see, they eat the dragonflies then. Those uh, giant, the giant ones that yeah, look like the double prop helicopter. Yeah. Those guys actually will eat, fly, uh, eat bees. And then there's also a thing called a robber fly. And the robber fly eats bees, and there's a bug called the trigger bug, and the trigger bug eats bees. There's lots of things out there that and eat bees. And skunks eat bees. But that's okay. Don't be worried, because there's lots of bees. You've got thirty to 60,000 bees in that colony, yeah. a couple insects eating a few of the foragers. It's okay. Don't freak out. I have had people go, how do I get rid of all these other things? They're eating my bees. I'm like, no, it's just nature. It's fine. They're never going to decimate your colony. There's not that many of them. Nah. But I th- like I said, I think that's it. This we've part we've, of uh, it. We have we've done enough damage for another week. Y'all jump on Instagram with us. Absolutely. You know what? Go out there. It's at the Hive Jive, and again, it's got our wavy comb in the background, blue letters that says the Hive Jive with a microphone and the eye for the Hive, and it says bees on the microphone. 
Get out there, follow us on Instagram. We want a thousand followers so that I can rob Ken of his honey and give it to you guys because it's only fair. Yeah. He says it's the best ever and he oh. wants to steal all yours, so we should steal his. Come on, guys, help my, me out here. Help my me leg out. has almost healed up. Yeah, we did post the picture of that out there, yeah, so it's that's really a lot cool. Better. With honey. With honey. Who would have thought, right? I don't know. Yeah, we'll have um what's his name? That guy. That does all the medicinal, the plants and everything. Oh, Sam Kaufman. Sam Kaufman. We're going to have Sam Kaufman. One of these days, we'll get him on the show. Yeah. That'll be another one of those advanced He's tracks. the one who was telling us about the propolis. That's right. Yeah. yeah. To me, propolis is a great antibiotic. Yeah. We'll get him I mean, out we'll here. Get it. We'll talk about we'll, that We'll on have that. One. That'll be another things to come down the road. But first, you guys, we need 1,000 followers. Eric's shaking his fist at us. She's shaking his fist at We need 1,000 followers. <laughs> 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 all right, guys. Thank you very much for listening, for tuning in. We will be back next week with another episode of Gosh Only Knows What. Uh, Join us then. But first, follow us on Instagram. We need the followers. Followers. Follow us. Y'all be good, family. Be good. Be safe. Be happy. Bye. It's time for our guys to buzz off. But don't fret. The Hive Jive journey continues with new episodes on the first and third Mondays every month. Until then, you can follow along with the guys on Facebook and Instagram at The Hive Jive. Thanks for listening, and be safe out there.